welcome to Teaching Channel Talks. I'm your host, Wendy Amato, and as often as I can, I jump into conversations about topics that matter in education. In this episode, let's explore improving teaching and learning through the use of video. My guest is Dr. Miriam Sharon. She's a professor and associate provost at Northwestern. Miriam, welcome. Thank you so much, Wendy. Delighted to be here. You've been using video very strategically in educator prep. Can you give me an overview? Sure. Um, so we use video to uh, help teachers have a chance to look closely at what happens in their classroom, so both in pre-service and preparing teachers, but also for practicing teachers. Uh, you know, there's so much that happens in a, in a classroom at any moment. And as a teacher, you know, you're sort of choosing where to pay attention in the moment. And video gives you a chance to take another look and maybe look with a different lens. Talk to me about the lenses that you're using. Are you asking people to watch for certain behaviors, uh, to identify certain behaviors? And what are they looking for? Well, um, so one of the things I've been working on is around the idea of teacher noticing. And this is really the idea that there's a lot that's happening in a classroom, as I mentioned. And as a teacher, uh, you're making choices about um, where to pay attention, where to focus your attention. And we find that when teachers focus their attention on students, on what students are saying and doing and thinking, the opportunities for student learning increase. And so we've been using video to help teachers sort of hone their lens for looking at and paying attention to students. Um, I think as teachers, we're often, um, you know, focusing on what we're doing and video can give you a chance to sort of look closely at what students are doing. What kinds of observations have your students pre-service or in-service, what kinds of observations have they made that have surprised themselves? I think teachers who we've worked with are often surprised at um, both the kinds of things students are saying that they might not have noticed in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes teachers are surprised that they are assuming this is what a student is trying to say. And then when they have a chance to listen to it a little more closely, they might realize, oh, wait, I think this student is actually saying something else. And of course, we're trained to make interpretations very quickly in the moment about what someone is saying, even when you and I are having this conversation, right? I'm, I'm probably thinking ahead, yes, I think I know where this is going. So in teaching, that could be a really helpful tool, but you can imagine it can also get in the way if you're um, making assumptions about what someone is trying to say. And um, you might wanna just have some space for really listening carefully to the ideas they're sharing. What do you do when you realize that you've surprised yourself with the quick assumptions that you've made or the misunderstanding that you're witnessing now after the fact? Well, um, I think, you know, in some cases, and depending on the timescale, of course, there's always opportunities to continue your conversation with a student about a topic or go back into class the next day and say, hey, um, I think we were maybe talking about this thing and I want to just check on uh, check with you about um, what people are thinking about that topic. And I think that's a pretty common thing for teachers to do even without video. You know, you're sort of mulling over what happened and maybe making a game plan for the next day. But I think even more useful is just um, you when you're watching video, you are sort of creating a set of resources, a, a, a set of listening and noticing resources for yourself that you can use in your teaching moving forward. 
Do you find that that is different for a pre-service teacher than from an in-service teacher? You know, one of the things uh, we love to do with pre-service teachers is we'll say, go out to your, to your classroom, usually when they're student teaching, and record student thinking. Bring us a, an excerpt, a five-minute excerpt of student thinking, and the students are so excited to do that, and they think about, okay, where in the lesson am I going to see some student thinking, and yes, uh, this is where, and then they come back and they say, there was no student thinking in that moment. Often oh. it's, you know, during a discussion, they find out, wow, I was talking a lot but the students were talking a lot. So I think with pre-service teachers, sometimes it's more of just, you know, getting used to understanding the flow and dynamics in a, in a classroom to understand who's going to be participating in what ways. And, you know, is it going to be at the end of the discussion where you think there's going to be a lot of richness, or maybe it's in the beginning of a discussion when you're sort of brainstorming what happens. And I think veteran teachers are typically much more in tune with uh, that cadence and have a sense of, how a discussion is going to go. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about recommendations that educators make related to think time and wait time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It would be nice to really count the beats between the end of a question and the beginning of an answer. Sure, sure. I think sometimes people's are, you know, people who watch videos on themselves are surprised at who's participating or who looks engaged. And, you know, it's just a, a sort of a different look at things when you don't have to take an action. You can just sort of sit and reflect. Are there tools that you offer to help someone watch themselves on video? Um, I think the most common tools now are sort of the annotation tools, um, like you have in Teaching Channel, where you yeah. can pause a video and make a comment. Um, that's very helpful. Um, I think there's a number of different kinds of annotation tools that can be really helpful, particularly if you're asking um, someone to reflect on a video they're watching or to uh, identify some moments that they think are really interesting to discuss with others or pursue further or things like that. Talk to me a little bit about annotation tools and thinking about the different uses, self-reflection, peer feedback, supervisor, mentor, coach. How do we use annotation effectively in, with those different audiences? Sometimes there's a tendency to use video for um, with an evaluative lens. Mm. So, uh, you know, and a supervisor might watch a video and give a thumbs up and say, you know, good job, you're implementing X or Y or Z or things like that. And um, I really take a different stance. I encourage us to use video to look at students, not at the teacher so much. And I use video to really take an interpretive lens to what's happening rather than an evaluative lens. So maybe not say this is good or bad, but it's sort of getting back to what you said earlier. Why do we think this is happening? You know, why might this um, student comment be reasonable to that student? How did these ideas in this discussion build on each other? Where's the, the connections that participants were seeing? Things like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, I do worry sometimes, and I think others worry sometimes that video can be used to get people. I almost have to set up some rules for using video, mm -hmm. for some sharing norms. it. Some norms. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Would you uh, recommend that someone start with some self-reflection and use the same piece of video to move for some 
peer feedback or to hear from a coach or mentor? Well, one of the things I've done is organize groups of teachers to watch and discuss excerpts of videos of themselves. And we call them video clubs, sort of mm -hmm. like a book club, but, but the text is a video. And um, I think that can be a really um, valuable time for teachers. It, it can be so isolating to teach. You know, you're in your classroom with your door closed. And so it's sort of nice to show something that's happening um, to others. And um, I think that what's really valuable is when you bring something that you might have a question about and not sort of, this was a problem or, you know, what should I do now? But sort of, you know, here's some ideas that students were sharing about X or Y or Z. And, you know, can I discuss them with you and think about what it is that the students might be saying or meaning or, um, you know, how, like I was saying earlier, what, what is the path of this conversation and um, how did it make, how did it evolve kind of thing? Let's see if we can brainstorm five really good questions that people could bring to a company video clips they're sharing. You've offered the first one. Uh, what do you think was the progression of, of this thinking? What else might we want to bring? Uh, let's think if we can brainstorm a few more good questions um, to bring to the table. I think one is what, is, what do students understand about the topic they're discussing? I think another is um, how are students participating in this discussion? Another might be, you know, can we infer what do students think is the goal of this activity? How's that? You can see they're very student focused because that's sort of the lens I take. It's perfect. Let's see, is there one more? Um, I'm a teacher, I brought a video. I would like to get some feedback and input from colleagues or classmates about it. And I want to be student-centered. How about, I... how, are, how are students, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. How are students responding to each other? How does oh, students... that's great. Yeah. And, and it reminds us that the interaction is not teacher to student to Absolutely. teacher to student, but it needs to move mm -hmm. throughout the room. Mm -hmm. I love it when a classroom observer has the seating chart and draws that <laughs> line of conversation so you can see how sure. the, the talking stick gets mm -hmm. moved from one person to another. So that's looking wonderful. at how the students um, are responding to one another becomes a great reinforcement that and and what's the what is the content of their responses to one another is it mm -hmm. agreement disagreement are they building are they supporting uh are they asking for evidence are there questions is it continued exploration i i think that's a, that that might be my favorite question how <laughs> are students responding to one another this is great what do you think may be some misconceptions about the use of video for uh, teacher preparation or teacher professional development so one I mentioned already, which is this evaluative focus, I really think the power of video is when we use it to interpret what's taking place in the classroom and not to evaluate it. And there's lots of reasons for that. You know, there's lots of context going on. We don't always know, you know, exactly what's happened the day before and things like that. And I think jumping to evaluation is is really problematic. So I encourage um, interpretation. I think another one um, Another myth is this idea that video should be used to share exemplars. Mm -hmm. I encourage video to be used to share examples. I don't want teachers to feel they have to bring their best, their most special, amazing thing that happened once. I'd rather see something that's typical, 
and then say, okay, let's make sense of this. What happened? What's going on? Um, what are students thinking and sharing? And what sense can we make of it? A third one is this idea that um, we should be looking at the teacher in video. I really feel we should be looking at the student in the video. And um, I think there's a number of reasons for that. First of all, I think teachers are much more comfortable when we're looking at students than when they are the center of attention. And, you know, if we really want teachers to engage with this, we should think about that. And I feel like it's a very easy entry point when you say, no, we're, we're going to look at your students. And the second is, I think as teachers, we want to be looking at our students. That's our superpower. Our superpower is, right, attending to our students in ways that makes their learning meaningful. And um, so I really feel like this focus on uh, students in the video rather than teachers is a really powerful one. Thank you for those. The second one that you mentioned, example versus exemplar. I'm grateful for that one because I know when people come to a video library, they're often expecting to see the perfect model. But the reality is no two learning environments are the same. No two sets of student populations will be the same. The before and after of a lesson will never be the same. And so it's very artificial to think about having a perfect slice that, that is something someone else should try to replicate. It, it's not meant to be. Well, that's not to say that curated video doesn't have a place, isn't helpful, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it's really helpful to see what a math talk looks like in which students are engaging and sharing different ideas and things like that. But if I'm participating in a video club with some peers, I don't want participants to have the burden to feel like they need to bring something that they think is exceptional or perfect or went well. Sometimes there's a sense of... Um, uh, a former student of mine, Elizabeth Dyer, talked with some teachers and there was a sense that good teaching equaled good video, right? <laughs> if you're looking for a good video to share, it's good teaching. And so it was hard to bring something that maybe wasn't so perfect. Mm -hmm. But I always feel like let's just bring every day the typical things that happen. That's where I think we can really learn something by watching those videos. For people entering the, the profession right now, they need to see the everyday. They need to see the mistake. They need to see that the technology doesn't always work or they may need to, to see an established teacher who gives directions for an activity and has the students just turn and say, what are we supposed to do? Exactly. <laughs> the way they do in yeah. the real world. Yeah. There's so much comfort there. I wouldn't want a new teacher to go into the classroom and feel like a failure because they weren't doing uh, the same things that they saw on a perfect video. The, that just sets them up to feel insufficient. And there's sort of one other reason, which is that... Um, when you show people an exemplar video, what's the thing you're trying to teach them? You're trying to teach them, I think you might be trying to teach them a teaching skill that you're asking them to replicate in their classroom, right? So you're teaching them how to, whatever we can imagine. An instructional that. strategy. An instructional strategy. Sure. And I think what video is good for is learning to notice that if you can learn to notice in your classroom, that is really very powerful skill. 
And so that's what I want to use video for, not to teach you this particular skill that uh, instructional strategy, as you said, but rather to teach you how to pay attention to what's happening in ways that can um, increase opportunities for learning. Learning to notice is the foundation of your scholarly work. Yes. How would somebody get started if they had the self-awareness to know that they have um, room to grow in their noticing? Well, I think watching video of yourself is a, is a great idea, especially if you can do it with colleagues, if you, mm. um, you know, and set yourself some questions, just like we were asking earlier, right? How do students interact with each other here? What are the ideas students are sharing? Um, you know, I think that can be a really nice starting point. Um, some teachers I've worked with have um, picked up on something that John Mason has said, um, which is you can prepare yourself to notice in the classroom. So you might be watching a video and realizing that um, a student X often has some really interesting ideas that you um, maybe haven't heard before. And so the next day when you're going into your classroom, you're going to say, I'm going to make sure I'm listening for student X's ideas. For example, you can prepare yourself to notice. You've been in education for a moment and you've been using video for a moment. How has the use of video in education changed over time? When I started using video in the 1990s, it was still very much from the perspective of um, you as the researcher come into the classroom, set up your camera in the back of the room and record what's happening. And the cameras were still pretty big yes. um, at, at that point. Um, and now I feel we are, oh my goodness, in the midst of a revolution still. The cameras are small. Everybody's got a cell phone. You know, it's very easy to record. And this just opens up so many opportunities for not only recording in a very easy way, but for sharing. I think early on in my own work um, with video and teachers and others, I think also, I really had this sense that the power of video was because you could watch and discuss it with others. That video was something that you could come back to, you could watch it over and over. And with peers, you had something that you could discuss together. But more recently, especially with um, the accessibility of small cameras and ease of recording, I've been looking um, with some colleagues at the idea that teachers can learn not just from watching and discussing video, but really from the act of recording. So I was telling you early about these pre-service teachers that we would ask to go out and refine some student thinking. And it turns yes. out that as they're preparing to record, they're really thinking carefully about what's the lesson? Where are, is there going to be student thinking? How are they going to engage? And that's real learning on the part of teachers and thinking about how their lessons are structured. And also we find that teachers are um, thinking and learning in new ways during the act of recording. It's almost like they're teaching and recording, but thinking, oh my goodness, I'm having a discussion. I'm gonna let this go on a little longer so that I have uh, more ideas um, that I'm gonna collect on this video. And so there is sort of a nice um, relationship between the act of preparing to record and recording on these opportunities for teacher learning that I think we're just sort of beginning to look at. When you assign the collection of video, do you frame a specific ask that informs that 
readiness or that preparation for filming, or do you leave it open to see what happens? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question, Wendy. And I think my approach has changed over time, not surprisingly. Most recently, we are encouraging teachers to only record a few minutes in their classroom, because when we would ask them to record, you know, a full lesson, you know, full lesson, whether it's an elementary, middle or high school classroom, that is a big burden to go back and watch. Mm -hmm. But when we say, try to decide in advance, which five or 10 minutes you want to record, it's much easier for them to go back and watch it. So that's been one big shift. And I think there's also some work to do with teachers around the kinds of moments you want to capture. So we might say, you know, we're hoping to capture moments where students are talking to each other about mathematical ideas. What does that look like? Where will you see that? Sometimes um, we will um, prompt a teacher with a particular task and say, can you, would you record students engaging with this activity where we think there's likely to be some uh, student thinking? I feel comforted knowing that even a small snippet of video has value. I think that's the way we get people to start. Yeah, agree. And if it's, you want to see how you launch class or you want to see how you bring it in for a landing, or you want to see if you give clear directions, or you want to see if your students are really engaged during their independent time, that's enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any last words of advice that you'd like to share with the education community based on your experience and knowledge using video? I would just really encourage teachers to give it a try, to, um, you know, embrace the idea that we have these technologies that allow us easy access to what's uh, happening in our classrooms, that it's okay that we don't see everything that's going on at every moment, mm-hmm. and that video can be, a, you know, a tool that we can use to um, look inside our classrooms in new ways. I like that. Thank you very much. To our fellow educators, thank you also for enjoying our conversation. If you'd like to explore topics that Professor Sharon and I have discussed today, please check out the show notes at teachingchannel.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe on whatever listening app you use. That will help others to find us. I'll see you again soon for another episode. Thanks for listening.